Welcome to Ways of Life. I'm your host, Krista Wells, and today I'll be talking with my friend Jenny Rebecca, who is a singer, songwriter, opera singer, vocal coach, and all-around artist inspirer living in Berlin, Germany. She is a gal after my own heart in terms of her great passion for encouraging others to live out their creativity and for the way she follows her own muse wherever it takes her, including across the sea. I met Jenny Rebecca through Instagram, and then we discovered we have a mutual friend in my most recent producer, Lori Chaffer, here in Nashville. Listeners don't know until I say it right now that we actually just had a conversation for your podcast, the Artist Rising <laughs> podcast. Yes. I love that we're getting to trade. Me too. That was so fun. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> yeah. Um, first of all, I've never asked you this little question. Is your name Jenny Rebecca altogether? Has it always been like that? Or was that like an artist choice? It has always been that way. Capital R, no space. Just random. And I have a middle name. My middle name is Lynn. Okay. Um, so yeah, Jenny Rebecca Lynn. I was named after a Barbara Streisand song. <laughs> That's funny because when I went to, I wanted to find your, um, to look at your website. And when I Googled Jenny Rebecca, Barbara Streisand came up and I was a little confused. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara Streisand didn't actually um, write it. Carol Hall wrote it, but okay. Barbara sang it and also Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> yeah, nice. it's a beautiful song actually. So I, I'm glad that that is my story. <laughs> were your parents hoping at that point, like when you were born, were they hoping you were going to be a musical artist? I don't think so. <laughs> they didn't they know. They just loved Barbra Streisand. <laughs> wow. Well, um, it turned out to be perfect. <laughs> I probably eventually will add Ronning, which is my married name, um, because that's also what's on the podcast, Jenny Rebecca Ronning. But um, I, you know, I I have been used to Jenny Rebecca Winans, and being in Germany, um, our visa, my visa, is with Winans, and so I kind of am like in this in between where I'm, you know, going back and forth, and I just didn't want the pressure of having to decide with Spotify, and I was just like, ah, I'll just be Jenny Rebecca for now, and then later change it. I, you know, it's so funny because <laughs> artist names are a really big deal somehow, you know, and it's yeah. like, I, it's something that I really had a lot of insecurity about for a while. Cause I was like, Oh, it sounds like I'm sitting on a front porch, like Jenny Rebecca. <laughs> and then on the other hand, it sounds a little bit like just, you know, eighties child or something. <laughs> so I just don't know, but, um, it just is what it is. And I feel like I'm tired of you know, trying to like find something that sounds at one point I had a band named Rove. Mm. Um, and I, I don't know, I had thought about having a, another artist name and I'm just like, you know what? That's just too much. No, I just, yeah. that's my name. And, you yeah. know, I think you go into it too. I think the more, the more that I, even in the last five years, have feel like have grown as an artist and as a human, <laughs> I feel like I, have more love also for my name in a mm. genuine way and and not feeling like I would want to change it either, you know? So I totally resonate with that because I lamented, you know, having done a few albums with my name and my name just feels so plain and not catchy to me. But no. then, but then after a while, you're like, it, first of all, it's too late to change it. It'd be such a... <laughs> 
<laughs> nightmare, <laughs> like to try to get people to know what that you're the same artist or whatever. But yeah. then also, you're right. I feel the same way that it grows on you and you grow into it. And you're like, mm-hmm. but that's who I am. That is is who you are. It is who who I am and who you are. And it it feels good. Yeah. So tell us a little bit um, about your journey to Germany to live in Berlin. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? Yeah, so I've lived in Berlin twice. The first time um, I came in 2009 for opera because I am an opera singer. But I also... even though that was kind of like my first life, (laughs) I'm Uh not necessarily, I don't work as an opera singer anymore. I am now a singer songwriter. And the second time though, that I came to Berlin. So in between I moved, I was here in Berlin for four years doing the opera thing, also discovered my songwriting during that period. And then I moved to California for five years, met my husband, and then we moved back actually you know, coincidentally or nothing's coincidence. I don't know. My husband really wanted to move to Berlin and learn German. So um, since I had already been there and also loved it and we came to visit and he was like, um, I'm in love with the city. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we ended up and, you know, it was one of the the top choices when we were talking about where would we want to move Um, because we knew we wanted to he's also a musician we knew we wanted to be in a bigger city but the thing that really made me want to come back had to do with the willkommen culture which is the welcome culture which basically i don't know how much you know about that but germany welcomed almost two million middle eastern refugees Germany's like mm-hmm. the size of the state of Missouri. So that's yeah. a big yeah. deal, a really big deal. And I remember when we came to visit in 2016, I was talking to a friend of mine. His name is Jan. And I was like, Jan, what do you think about the situation? What's sort of the vibe around the, the people? What are they thinking about what just happened and all of that? Because if you Google the common culture, the pictures, there are stadiums full of people holding welcome refugee signs, people waiting as, you know, refugees got off planes with blankets. It's incredibly wow. so cool. And, um, but not, and in two, that was in 2015 mostly. And then in 2016, things had shifted a little bit. And, you know, I was like, what do you think about all this? And he said, well, you know, there are about 80 million people in Germany. We just let in a million I think 80 people can handle taking care of one person. And I was oh, like, wow, that is such a beautiful perspective. And I have so much respect for Angela Merkel, who really, you know, led that movement. And I, I, we just felt like this is a movement we want to be part of. And so that really made us want to come. And the last couple of years, I led a theater group for the integration of Middle Eastern refugees and creative healing. So that is incredible. I <laughs> love that. Tell us more about that group. Oh man, it was such a special group. Um, and also I'm so thankful that I even got the chance to step into that role. Um, people knew that it was our desire to kind of get involved in some way with the refugees here. Um, in Berlin, 
itself, just this city, there are 90,000. And um, so, but I didn't really know. It took about a year for us to kind of, we moved at the end of 2018 to get our feet on the ground and kind of figure out, you know, work-wise, like, what are we doing, blah, blah, blah. And then I got invited to lead this group as part of a grant from Action Mensch, which is like a, a foundation called Action for the People. Okay. <laughs> That's what Action Mensch means. And, um, and yeah, we basically, we spent the year doing a lot of improv games and just creative healing kinds of just play, you know, yeah, and yeah. forming family. And then COVID started. Uh-huh. And then within that first few months of COVID, we wrote a musical together online. So we what? were meeting online, writing a musical. Wait, how many people are in this group? There were about almost 30. And you wrote the musical together with 30 people yes. online. <laughs> yes. And, and these are people from diff- who have different native tongues. Oh, all over. Yeah. There are people from, yeah, so a lot of people didn't speak German. A lot of people, you know, it, it was um, it was a big, big deal, for, especially for the non-native German speakers. I mean, and also, I speak German, but I mean, my German compared to, so, but luckily there were also some other people, some Germans in the group, you know? So anyways, yeah. So we wrote, there are people from Iraq, Syria, Libya, um, Iran. Yeah, it was really beautiful. And we wrote a musical based on a story, a true story that took place in Berlin, but that was included in the book Lost Connections by Johann Hari, which I would really recommend if anyone Mm. enjoys. (laughs) Well, honestly, I think it's one of the best books I've ever read. I would just really recommend it, but it's all about how various connections in our lives or the lack of connection can actually affect our mental health for the better or worse. So he talks about, you know, connecting to nature, connecting to others, connecting to meaningful work, connecting to a a hopeful future on how he has included all of this real research, but he presents it almost in a story-like fashion. It's just so fascinating. So we took a true story and wrote a musical off Deutsch. <laughs> and then we had in the summer in Germany, you know, the numbers for COVID actually weren't that bad. So we had a pretty extreme lockdown for a couple months, but then there were two months in the summer, basically July and August, where we were allowed to meet. And during that time, we rehearsed and actually got to perform the show. <laughs> it was sold out audience and with masks of course but that was like a miracle even that we were able to do it in that time frame and literally a week later lockdown started again oh oh my goodness it just makes my heart swell thinking about (laughs) you doing that work and in german too which we have a germany connection because i lived in germany when i was uh in my early teens for 4 years and yeah, love it so much right. and i'm hoping to get back there next summer yes you need to come visit <laughs> i would definitely visit you if i get if i if i get over there um when i get over there mm-hmm. but um side note on learning another language when did you start learning german was it when you went in 2009 well since i you know, have the opera background. I had to learn diction for 
German, Italian, and French. Mm. So I could pronounce everything, <laughs> but I didn't speak it. But then there's a really amazing school in Middlebury, Middlebury, Vermont. Um, and in the summer, they have many different languages, like sort of intensive immersion programs. And so I went there and right before I moved the summer of 2009 and for seven weeks you have to sign a contract saying you will not speak English <laughs> What um, for seven weeks. Yeah. And, and that, but that is really the way you learn. So that's how I learned. I, I know that when I tried to learn Spanish, um, in 2010, 2011 in Costa Rica, we mm -hmm. were attending an immersion approach school, language school, but it was just half days. And so we'd go from like eight to 1230. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was one on one, you know, I was sitting with one teacher who was teaching me Spanish in Spanish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I've never been so brain tired in my life. As when I got home yeah. at 1230 every day, I would literally just lay on my back on the bed and stare at the ceiling for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I actually even so one of my passions is mental health, mental and emotional health. And I actually tell, you know, people that I'm working with, or even like on my podcast, I talk about how that kind of fatigue, that mental fatigue is actually what we need to use as a measuring stick when we're actually starting to create new neural pathways. Because a lot of people think, you know, oh, well, um, changing my thoughts, you know, I, it actually is effort. It really requires us to <laughs> really think hard. And if you're really engaging in that process, you will be tired after. Mm. You know? That makes sense because I've gone recently through a, a leadership training by title, but it was more of a group therapy, like an experiential therapy. And they did warn us. They said, you're going to be super thirsty and super tired after yeah. this. And I couldn't quite understand the, you know, the mechanics of that. They were saying this work is changing you on a, like a cellular level. And, <laughs> you know, I don't know if that's accurate or not scientifically, but I mean, you do kind of feel that way after you do intense reworking of your and challenging of your thought patterns and going into your story in the past. And so I just find that fascinating and relevant here to, you know, the theme of this podcast being experience, the experience of aliveness, how we, how do we find that experience of aliveness? So many people go decades feeling kind of numbed out, their senses dulled, feeling like life isn't what I thought it was going to be. I don't even feel alive. I want to feel alive again. You know, these are things we hear. Yeah. regularly. And I know from your, what I know of your background that you were born a very passionate, creative child. And yet <laughs> I also see that you are living a life full of choices, experiences you are choosing to enter into that will be tiring, that will be scary, that will be uncomfortable. Hmm. And it seems that those are contributing greatly to your experience of aliveness. Can you say? Hmm something about that yeah yeah absolutely um it's also yeah very beautiful compliment um mm -hmm. and i yeah i think 
I've thought a lot about this in the last couple of years. I feel like my purpose is to feel and to help other people feel. Yeah. Um, and so I really come alive when I am feeling and then creating together with that. And so, yeah, I, I come alive when I myself am creating and using my emotions as sort of fuel to sort of create worlds and shift and um, also then encouraging other people to create beautiful inner worlds through their thoughts and emotions, um, inner and outer, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I really feel like, I don't know, I don't know if you've done the Enneagram, but like I'm Enneagram four and I just am really just into like, I love intimacy and deep conversation and inner healing. And so I feel like, you know, um, that makes me come alive and I've, I'm really just super passionate about those topics, how they also are connected to the voice, our inner voices, um, music and creativity. So, yeah. 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 So what are some of the, um, projects or works that besides the one that you just shared with the refugees, which is amazing and so inspiring, um, what else has really been born from in the last several years from that connection you have with your inner voice and your emotions that you feel great about the things that you love that you've yeah well you know I didn't really discover my inner voice until much later um I you know studied to become an opera singer and I really that was a big dream of mine and I had a beautiful experience learning you know all the things you need to learn for that kind of a career but it was also a very very technical experience and very filled with a lot of uh, pressure as well because I studied in New York and went to a great conservatory one of the best in the world beautiful opportunity but the thing about when you are studying something any high art whether it's painting dance uh, you know, if you're a classical instrumentalist, that level of excellence requires a lot of critical feedback and a lot of really working on technique. Yeah. And the inner voice is not a part of that process in school, like at all. Right. Mm. So I, I didn't know that it was a, at my own cost basically to not develop it's neglect developing and cultivating my creativity and also my own psychological health at the same time you know so I got done with you know at you know going to school and studying and then getting into performing and doing jobs and I was already you know 31 before I realized actually opera is not that creative. <laughs> I mean, you can, to some degree, you can create a role dramatically. So there's a little bit of that, but mostly you are 
an acrobat performing at this high level of perfection and really being told what to do by the conductor, the director, the voice teacher, the movement coach, all the different people that are, you know, and, and balancing basically how can I perform perfectly? Yeah. And so I discovered my inner voice by accident kind of when I was in a really, really difficult place. Um, I was married before I met my now husband and um, he had a very severe mental illness, which is why I am also so passionate Mm -hmm. about mental illness. But um, yeah, I, that's a really hard story that I don't want to get too much into, but basically um, I moved to Berlin after losing him and I was very, Mm. very depressed. Yeah. And I started doing some opera jobs and got some great opportunities, but I just was like really, really grieving. Um, And I started writing songs in this place where I literally just didn't want to live anymore. And the songs though, because I didn't have any real experience as a songwriter, there wasn't like this high expectation the way it was with opera for me to do it well. (laughs) And so I could just be silly and sad as I wanted and the songs could be crappy and it didn't matter. And I was just expressing myself Mm. and so they just like spilled out of me and I started you know just I think I wrote like 14 in a week and was Mm. sending them from Berlin back to my family and I remember talking to my dad once on the phone during that period and he was like well what are you looking forward to in the next few weeks and I was like nothing (laughs) I was so sad and he was like well but you've been writing these songs what do you what about that has that been fun and I was like well yeah yeah I guess it has and he said well keep doing that so I kept doing that and a month later I had written a new song at least one every day and I was making these little music videos to go with them and it was the best distraction yeah first but then it was like so healing and it started to give me so much life because I had never really had that interaction with spontaneous creativity which to me is like the most life-giving thing ever yeah and I had maybe written 15 songs up until that point in my life like at 31 but then all of a sudden I was writing 50 100 200 like just every day more and more songs and the discovering that discipline of creativity actually was what actually gave me so much healing, so much life. I started to just get addicted to it, really. It was like so life giving. I felt I had never had that much fun, you know? Yeah. And at six months of doing that, I was like, okay, this is the blast. Like, I think I'm in the <laughs> wrong career and I need to just make this a project. So at that point, I made it a project. I did a Kickstarter and I said, okay, I'm going to do this for at least a year. So I did that and 400 songs later and 400 music videos later, I had all my friends (laughs) 
in Berlin, like be in the videos, we would we would be like ridiculous, like in the bathtub, in the grocery store, in the cafes, on the street, on bikes, like just really, it was so fun. It was just so much fun. Um, and that's that, amazing. It was amazing. And that is the start of how I feel like I really found my inner voice and discovered the power of spontaneous creativity because um, it is honestly just so, it's like electric love. Mm. It's like you come in contact with that. I think it's God. It's just that life force, that creativity is so amazing and it changes you and and it helps you also connect to your own inner voice so it's like you're just uncovering 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 the jewels that are inside you and discovering your own authentic voice as you do it so i want everyone to experience that <laughs> yes yeah. yeah so you're i mean one thing that i've become conscious of the last few years is that creativity is fun and playful and joyous. And part of why it's joyous for me is that it reminds me that I'm not powerless. Mm. So when I'm depressed, when things feel overwhelming or too much, you get to take some pieces that seem disparate or whatever and bring them together and make something, right? You make totally. something beautiful and that is powerful it's and so powerful yeah you feel you just feel like some sense of agency in your own life yeah everything has meaning then even the worst things yeah right. yeah and so where has that led you to in the last in the last couple of years what has that steered <laughs> you towards oh man um <laughs> feels like a bit of a long story but um yeah I'll try to so that that actually that song diary project was literally 10 years ago this month mm. 10 years ago and two days ago wow <laughs> yeah and um yeah basically from there I started a band after that and I realized uh through the band that I needed more healing mm. And, you know, it's like when you step on a stage and you feel that power that you're releasing to the audience, mm -hmm. I realized for myself that I needed to understand more what was possible for me to release. Mm. Um, and I knew that I, I just knew that I needed more healing. So that's what took me to California. When I was in California, I went to um, ministry school. And then at the same time was teaching as an adjunct professor at Simpson University, teaching voice. And then I started teaching at the ministry school as well. And it was interesting because most of my students would also, like I would say 50% of the time, they'd want to come in and just talk or mm. cry before we would actually start to sing. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was around that time when I really sort of realized, okay, actually there have been three very distinct schools of 
study or learning for me in my life. The first was the highly technical for opera. Mm. The second was my own little school creativity with the songwriting. And then the third was really just having so much therapy, learning so much about inner healing and healing prayer and everything from the more mental, emotional side in California. And so what I started to really work on with my own students at that point was making sure that they got the pieces that I didn't get when I was Mm. in conservatory and encouraging them to cultivate their creativity and also to create or cultivate, you know, a, a beautiful inner world with mental and emotional health so that they could continue to be artists and sustain it. Cause I had burnt out and it had really, who knows what would have happened if I would have had a different schooling in that way. Right. So anyways, moving back to Berlin, then I started Artists Rising, the podcast really with that sort of idea in mind of that. It's almost like body, soul, and spirit. I'm like making a triangle. Everyone's <laughs> <laughs> like listening. Yeah. Just sort of this, it's like, yeah, more of like a wholehearted art, wholehearted artist mm-hmm. development kind of, um, really implementing not just body, soul, spirit, but technical, creative, and psychological. So that artists can really sustain their growth because it can be a really long journey and it's filled with ups and downs and usually a lot of rejection and putting yourself out there and having to be vulnerable day after day is hard. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And so anyways, as I was, you know, pursuing my own artistic creations, like releasing albums and the last years, and, and then also um, doing, continuing my own artistic journey, even as I was doing like the work with the refugees and with Artists Rising, I also started to do a lot more coaching um, here in Berlin um, and have created workshops that are kind of more around this topic of creative healing Mm. so yeah and and that's what's lighting you up right now that work yeah definitely I mean so um this last year I did um somatic singing therapy which was really fun and we did that workshop several times throughout the last year um as a way to sort of use singing as a tool to release stress and negative emotion. And then um, also musical neuroplasticity. So ways that, you know, you can, I used the work of um, Dr. Lisa Vinberger from the Neurosculpting Institute and Dr. Caroline Leaf who created neurocycling and then basically brought what they've scientifically proven together with music. And that was really fun. And then right now, you know, Artist Rising is doing Songtober, which is a free songwriting challenge. Um, and that has been super fun, just watching people in the Facebook group share their songs and they're in, in their full, vulnerable, imperfect process and just getting to sort of hopefully foster that, that spontaneous creativity in other people that they can also just feel more empowered and encouraged to 
discover that life force too. So that hopefully they can also feel that life. Cause I really do think that is, it's everything. <laughs> yes. I think it's really fascinating to hear artists like you talk about what you end up creating um, and why, because so often, so often I find that what we end up creating is a form of the message that we ourselves wish we had had that we did not have. Yes. So whatever was kind of missing in our journey or we felt was missing mm -hmm. is brought to us somehow. And then mm -hmm. we start creating that message in songs or in like you're saying in workshops or um, where you're trying to offer that creative you know, the call to the creative inner voice, in addition to the technical teaching, even when you were working at the college yeah. um, in California, and you're continuing to, that's continuing to be a driver, it sounds like, mm -hmm. which I think yeah. is really beautiful, because then that in itself is a form of redemption mm. from whatever we've experienced, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I, it's fun to then like listen to your favorite artists and no, start to notice what their dominant message or themes are. Yeah. You realize they're probably speaking to their inner child. You know, they're giving totally. themselves the message they need, and that ends up being a gift to all of us. Yeah. It is really beautiful how everyone has sort of their own message or like core <laughs> message. Yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah, and that and that we get to serve one another and serve the world not just out of our natural strengths, but out of what we perceived was weakness or loss. You know, yeah, pain, yeah, pain, <laughs> uh -huh. and suffering, um, and grief. The Songtober idea is timely for me because I was just in a conversation at a songwriting workshop I was leading on Saturday about how on my artist and feed we do writing prompts, but I was like oh, maybe we should be adding in some songwriting prompts. We haven't done that. And so I'm so happy to know that you are doing that. So how can people find your prompts uh, or join yeah. in the Songtober challenge? Yeah. So yeah, Songtober is, is free. It's just a songwriting challenge during the month of October. And the link is... It's on. It's in my bio on Instagram, on both my personal and also on Artist Rising Co. But also, you can just go up to www.jennyrebecca.online/songtober, okay. and you can just join for free. And it's um, within then the context of a private Facebook group. People can. I told people, you know, if you wanna, if you want me to promote your songs, then I'm happy to do that. But most people have kind of kept their sharing of their songs in the Facebook group just for the sake of kind of more, more intimacy and yeah. sort of safety. Um, but yeah, I just put um, the song prompts every day in that group, and and people have been really just sharing so so much, such beautiful poems and songs and. Um, and then we had five workshops last week that were as part of that. And that was also really fun, but it's, it's not too late to join. It's just midway through the month. So people can definitely jump in if you want to for the last couple of weeks. Okay. And if they joined in, but it's the end of the month, I'm thinking about when I get this posted, will <laughs> they be, would they have access to the group so they could even go back and mm -hmm. 
work through the prompts? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That would be really fun. Um, what else do you have coming up either under Jenny, Rebecca or Artist Rising? Yeah. Um, the last week of October, I'm going to be doing a three-day vocal boot camp. So if anyone wants to work on their singing skills, um, it's going to be just sort of basic vocal technique and how to sing with your whole body. Mm. So we're going to be doing that. That's going to be the 25th through the 27th of October, and it's online, so you don't have to be in Berlin. Okay. And then coming up in November, I'm going to be doing another somatic singing workshop. So if anyone's interested in, in it will be also some vocal, a little bit of vocal technique, but it's actually more on the emotional side. It's more sort of how do we release emotions through using our voices? And so that's happening in November. And then also I have a um, group called the Songwriters Studio that um, anyone can join and be a part of. There's like a new sort of um, group that's happening starting in November that is basically helping people throughout the whole process of write, record, release and building the platform, which as artists, I feel like we have to do over and over, <laughs> but, um, but it's sort of helping people create strategy around it so that they can just sort of make it a little bit easier for themselves the next time. So some of the people in that group are kind of brand new, haven't had much experience with songwriting at all, um, and are, you know, will be doing some focus on the craft of songwriting. Um, but some people have already released things and they just kind of want more accountability and okay. And then let's make sure you're doing this so that you can really connect to your community build that tribe so that you can start to really be really intentional about that because it, you know as an artist it's so there's so much to do yes, yes. <laughs> it's so overwhelming you know and so um yeah when people can start to record on their own start to learn how to release on their own do all the things without needing a label know how to build the the platform up because even labels look at how big your platforms are you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's become such a big thing. I think it's yeah. really, it is what it is. But um, yeah, so basically that is also starting. And I, I don't have um, information about that yet on my website, but I will soon. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to put all these, all the links in the, in the show notes for anybody who's wanting to explore all these fun offerings. Um, can you share with us right now during this season, what practices are important to your sense of well-being and aliveness? Oh, man, I feel like that's sort of constantly changing a mm -hmm. little bit. Uh, but at the moment, I would say really since the summer, what has been the most transformative actually would be listening prayer. Mm. Um, and so that has also even looked different within the last months, but like at the moment I go to the park with the coffee and I 
walk and listen. And um, that has just really been, I feel like it's on a really similar mm, wavelength to even like that spontaneous creativity, because when we're meeting with that voice, Um, everything looks different, you know, it's like that place where really our hearts can just be totally open and expanded and we can see things differently. We don't have just our own limited vision, but then we, we have this deep connected, full of light and life and joy and hope. Everything is hope like in that place. So mm. that has been for me the biggest, the biggest thing lately. Mm. In a world where we want to keep talking and begging and asking and figuring things out <laughs> in mm-hmm. this very brainy way of ours, you know, to mm-hmm. just get quiet and listen and be reminded that we're not all by ourselves. We're not isolated little selves, as we talked about in our previous conversation, but we are connected. We have access. Yeah, totally. And it's interesting too, because I feel like it was also kind of an eye opener for me because especially after, you know, having done the workshops during the pandemic time for the somatic singing, which is more like on the emotional and then the, the neuroplasticity was more like mental. There's absolutely, we do need to do the work on our own to take care of ourselves and come into a place where we're really taking responsibility fully for our thoughts and emotions. Cause that's the only thing we can really, our thoughts and our feelings and our behavior, right? That's the only thing we can really fully have control over or really be responsible for. But there's also, I feel like with the, with the listening, it just reminded me as well that, it's um, it's got to be both. We take a responsibility where we can, and then we also listen for that guidance so that we aren't doing it on our own, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that, that really has been profound lately and brought so much healing because I feel both are so important in order to really, really love ourselves well, Mm. you know? Yeah. And thereby loving the world around us too. Exactly. Yeah. The interesting thing is neither of those aspects, um, both the listening and the being responsible for our emotions, thoughts, and actions, neither of those involve controlling other people (laughs) or the world outside, you know, it starts here. Um, well, the question I always love to close with is, what do you love about being you? Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> interesting question. Oh, my goodness. I have to think about it for a minute. Um, hmm. Everybody has a hard time with it. <laughs> oh man I don't know I think I feel just really grateful to be 
in the world and experiencing life. I feel grateful to be myself in it and also to have my perspective. Mm. I feel really, I enjoy even now the suffering that I have experienced for the wisdom and perspective perspective it's given me. Mm. And it's such a mystery, you know, what does it even mean to be me and to be you? Like, I enjoy life, and that only perspective I have is through my own experience. And so I enjoy the opportunity to live life as myself. But it is, it is a mystery, isn't it? It's a beautiful mystery. And it's really been challenging and also blissful. <laughs> well said. It's an interesting thing to um, believe that we're all connected, but then also to answer that question, which brings you back to the individual, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, but like you said, in reality, we are in this form during this lifetime. (laughs) And so your experience is your experience, very unique to being Jenny Rebecca. And the expression of God that you are is very unique to to you. And I'm so grateful for your unique expression and um, for this conversation. So thank you so much for all the wisdom you shared. for what you're doing in the world. Thanks for inviting me. It's been so great. Thank you. And to everybody listening, thank you so much. I am so grateful for your presence. I invite you to subscribe and share with your friends since you made it to the end of the episode. I'm assuming there was something of value for you here. I would love to connect with you further in my Patreon community. So check that out. Find Jenny Rebecca on Spotify and explore the various creative offerings that she has out there. And until next time, keep living. <laughs>